0: DJ PK brought to you in part by SNS Roofing. Their huge winter and spring sales event is going on now, where you can save thousands on a new roof. Call Pan two fifty and say SNS Roofing for your free bid. We're joined now by our basketball insider Steve Cleveland. Steve, good morning. Good morning, guys. So the Jazz are the one seed. They've got the best record in the NBA. If you read a hundred. Pundits. Doesn't matter. Ex coaches, ex players, longtime beat writers, TV talking heads, a mix of all of those. A hundred of them. How many of the hundred do you think would pick the Jazz to win it all?
1: Today? Or today. Before? before the no, season. today, Sorry. right now.
0: Now that they've seen the regular season, and you've got to pick on Monday before you see any playing games. Right now. Right. I'm
1: saying none. So <laughs> <laughs> I thought you were going to say zero. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, 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 if we're including, you know, Utah pundits and you know folks like yourself and people there who are going to have a great love for the—I mean—but I'm just
0: saying na- the national. I pundits, was thinking national. I was
2: thinking national.
0: Yeah. yeah. Okay. Now I, I would probably say none.
2: All right. So then, how much does that drive you? I don't want to overstate it, but there's got to be something there for the coaches and the players.
1: Well, I, I, I mean, I think it's um, great locker room stuff. Uh, you know, I mean, you have the best record in the league. You have your leading scorer doesn't play for a month or so, and you're still finished with the best record. I I think you just quietly go about business, and uh, this, is a, this is a confident group. And uh, they're, they're, we can think of a lot of reasons why they wouldn't consider the Jazz a team that could do that, but... When you look at it, you've, you've probably got the defensive player of the year. you got the sixth man of the year. You've got a young guard that is capable of scoring 30 on a given night. And I, in my mind, uh, I know a guy like Thibodeau who may end up being the coach of the year because they like to give that award to coaches that have had big turnarounds. But Quinn Snyder is the coach of the year, and it, it's not even close. And so all of those things and just the chemistry of the team and the interchangeable parts and the ability to shoot the ball. Uh, you know, no, nobody plays together better than that deep place. And that, that goes to that, not just Quinn, but his coaching staff and everybody involved in the program. So, uh, yeah, there's not going to be a lot of love and respect. And you know what? It'll become an amazing story when they're in the finals and playing and, and doing things that people never thought they could do. And they are they're capable of it. I mean, every team in the NBA today, has weaknesses and issues and clouds hanging over them, whether they're injuries or guys trying to get healthy or haven't been playing well. And, I I mean, the, when you think about the Jazz, they just kind of went, went about their business. I mean, a, a few times, they don't have Conley uh, or Williams. I mean, they're playing without the, you know two, two of their lead guards. So everything they've done has uh, been worthy of Coach of the Year, Defensive Player of the Year, you know, and I, you know, those kinds of things, uh, just just had a special season. So, but they're going to have to earn it, and uh, it's just the nature of it. You know, I don't know if it's about a big market or whatever the nature of that thing is, but at the end of the day, anybody that watches the game knows this is a really, really good basketball team.
2: So, I wanted to talk to you about the intensity and the focus and how it ramps up in the postseason versus the regular season. And I'm going to throw an example at you. I can remember when I was covering the Utes and Majerus wasn't available on Selection Sunday. He was doing some national stuff. And he told me, he said, hey, just talk to me. I'll provide some quotes for the sports information. But if you need to talk to me, I'll be available um, around one o'clock on Monday, the following day after Selection Sunday. Okay, fine. So I call him up Monday, and and he answers, and we had always set it up. And man, he was so cantankerous, and and like we didn't have the best relationship, as everybody knows. But he was on steroids at that point. And I'm saying, Rick, what is going on? And he told me that his book got released, and he had a book signing, like at. 10 o'clock at the student library or bookstore or something. And he said he thought it would be about 20 minutes and it lasted two and a half hours that he couldn't devote to studying film for the opponent that they were going to play. So he was so wired and just so agitated. And my thought for you is now that these guys have finished the regular season They go into the postseason. How much does it ramp up in intensity and time becomes so short because of what you're trying to accomplish?
1: Well, I I think there's two two thoughts come to my mind. The first thought is that from the perspective of the media, it it is, you know, it's a frenzy for all of you. I mean, everybody's trying to cover a story, cover a guy, cover a scenario, and and it, it, it is like a beehive, you know? Uh, I think for most coaches, uh, they, they try to insulate themselves and you, 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 you say yes to certain things, but at, at the end of the day, your your commitment has to be to your team and to your guys and you can get caught up in that and and, and most NBA coaches who have been around they're they're not going to get distracted by the media okay they're, they're there ever present and anywhere they turn for the entire year. so, uh, I, I think you're, th- you're talking about NBA coaches who, number one, know where the focus should be and actually be spending time with the team and watching film and doing those kinds of things. Does, is it hard to do? Yeah, because I, I think there's mandated things that the NBA says, hey, coaches have to do this, players have to do so many interviews. And, and, and sometimes when you mandate things, you don't get a great interview. <laughs> and uh, so they just kind of want to get through it. But I think this is a time that coaches protect players and players protect players, and it, the, the focus is on the task at hand, who they're playing, what the matchup is. You know, and it's not like we live in a world of Twitter and Instagram and and social media where these players are impacted by it. I mean, they they, they drive it. Uh, they get involved. And they're the ones that have to be really careful. You know, if I'm a coach, I'm going, hey, you know what? Also, we're off social media here. <laughs> now, You know what? That, that's an old school deal and maybe they just they wouldn't do it but that can be pretty distracting as well you know i think the social media can be more distracting than maybe a uh, a really relentless recorder a reporter who's trying to get a story and get up a pop uh, with the with the younger people today that's a big part of their life and that can, that can be a distraction and we've seen that throughout the last few years and you see tweets and things coming from players from, you know, in the locker room, on the bench sometimes, which I just can't even believe, to lots and lots of stuff that happened between games. So that for me, if I'm a coach, you know, that, that social media, we we'll turn it off, shut it off, set it down. You've got, they all have people that do that for them anyway. And, uh, but for them to be personally involved in it is a really good way to get distracted and forget about why they're there.
0: Yeah, I think that the, <clears throat> this generation of players is way more influenced by social media than they are by media. They're not, they're not watching local sportscasts, listening to local talk shows, and reading the local paper. I, I think yep. way more, way more social media impact on their lives. I'm curious what you think about the Warriors. I mean, they, they sit in eighth. Obviously, with a play-in the Jazz may not get them, but I think there's a decent chance they will. Wiseman... Uh, his last game was April 10th against Houston, and they won because Houston, uh, you know, is a disaster at this point in the season. So Wiseman's done for the year at that point, and the Warriors go 15 and five in their final 20 games. Is it as easy as saying there's a young guy who just defensively and offensively just couldn't read stuff on the fly and was a step slow, and it really hurt them? And now they're a much better team and. Fifteen and five suggests they might be able to do some serious damage in the playoffs. Are we over selling the Warriors or do you think that's true?
1: I uh, you know, I don't think we're overselling the Warriors when probably the NBA, you know, I mean, could could I mean he's maybe not gonna get the award, but I mean Steph Curry is is had just a spectacular year. And I think Draymond Green has really got comfortable with this kind of point forward position. And to me, there are a lot of people involved, but has Wiggins had a better year in the NBA than he's had this year? I don't know necessarily saying statistically, but he seems like he's in a really, really, really good place. And he's a talent. I, I, I believe, was he the number one pick? He was, in, in, Coming yeah. out of the draft? Cleveland, yeah.
0: 2014, number one pick.
1: Yeah, and the influence, I think, of Green and uh, – And and, and Curry around him and and Coach Kerr and and others, uh, it's it's just been really, really cool to see. And and that guy has uh, really taken the wrath of the media over the years and underachieved. And, you know, he gets into a new environment and uh, all of a sudden with a good culture and there's not all that nonsense and he gets and, and it just brings the best out of him. So. I mean, he's a guy that can go 20, 25 on any given night and he's not forcing it. He's letting it come to him. He's playing with experienced guys. I I think for me, uh, certainly, you know, you're Curry and and Draymond are the kind of the foundation of that team from leadership perspective. But Wiggins, I think has been really, really special. And I, um, I mean, they've got obviously a, a, a cast of people that not everybody knows, but, uh, Baysmore and Pool, they've had they've had opportunities to come in and, and make a difference. I mean, they've just kind of done it piece by piece and put it in together. But Steph has been incredible. But I, I really believe that Wiggins has had a great year and uh, he needs he needs credit for that too. I mean, all the abuse he's taken over the years, that he's underachieved, he's had. A, this is his best year in the NBA, as far as I'm concerned.
2: So it's clear that the Clippers wanted to finish in fourth. They did not want to finish third. If that's uh, seeding purposes or whatnot, whatever that might be, and because they didn't play their stars the last couple of ball games, I, what's your thought on far as kind of adjusting where you want to be as opposed to trying to win as many games as you can and let the chips fall?
1: Well... <laughs> I'm sure the Clippers don't want to play the Lakers, you know, immediately, and and that and then kind of that uh, that process that they went through kind of eliminated that. Uh, you know, I've I've never been in a situation where you know you're not playing your guys. You're I mean, just, I've just i never been in a situation where, where we're going to rest our guys tonight and make sure they're ready for the N C two A's. So that's not something my mindset has ever been able to wrap around. But it is something that's very common in the NBA, and. Uh, you know what? Uh, they've had guys hurt. I mean, a lot of people hurt this year uh, due to probably playing three and four games a week and whatever all the other circumstances are. So you know, protecting guys uh, and then also the benefit of getting in the right bracket and getting in the right spot. Um, you know, it works. I I don't. I, I guess I guess the Clippers are going to probably play the Mavs. I don't. I don't. I don't know what the matchups have been during the year. I really haven't studied that. Um, but at, but at the end of the day. Uh, You know, the Clippers probably like the idea of playing the Mavs and then having Utah in the second round. uh, uh, You know, they feel like they can beat both those teams get to the finals. And then if it's the Lakers or, you know, Denver or whoever it might be, Portland, um, they feel like they haven't had to just go through, you know, barrier of walls to get to the finals. I I, I think that's probably what they're thinking. Um, And, you know, Utah's sitting on a 3-1 lead last year. They've got that on their mind. They're very focused. They're, you know, they're going to be ready to go. And, and uh, you know, playing if, – if Golden State and Utah play, you know what? That, that's not going to be an easy test. I mean, you, you've got veteran guys, and uh, I don't know where uh, Donovan Mitchell is and what his circumstances are. He's ready to go. I mean, I see Utah in a situation where they, they you know they got to get to the finals. They, to, for Utah to validate what they're doing – you know beating golden state is obviously something that can happen beating the clippers i you know i i believe that utah has uh chemistry and talent and enough shooters to beat the clippers and the clippers have been up and down anyway so i think utah's in the right bracket and uh and a, a chance to get get to the you know the western finals so uh yeah the idea of not playing guys to get to a certain bracket. I guess that's just the world we live in. I just never lived in that world before. I mean, you are trying to win every game.
0: You're old school, Steve. You're old school. And <laughs> yeah. There's nothing anyone's going to do about it. And,
1: so, and with the emphasis on old.
0: <laughs> so I'm big into the history of the NBA, and PK, well, first off, he knows that. And second, usually he gives me some slack on that because there's just some proof that this is how things work. But sometimes he wants to crush me on this, and I'm curious because I'm even doubting myself on this. And maybe this year is just totally bizarre, but I'm looking at the last 30 years in the NBA, and the one or the two seed out of the West goes to the NBA Finals. That's the way it is. There's only three three seeds in 30 years have gone, no four or five seeds, and then one six seed the Rockets back in 95. Like, one in two seeds have gone 26 of the last 30. So Jazz and Suns, knowing that, Jazz and Suns or the field, I'm thinking everybody's taking the field, although NBA history says that's not how it works.
1: I, I agree with you that everyone's taking the field. And um, the fact that there have been so many intangibles with COVID, with, four games a week with coming out of, uh, you know, a a year where there was a short, there's been nothing normal about the last two years of the NBA. So if there was ever going to be something that goes against those statistics and the fact that the one and two seeds always seem to get there, this isn't a normal year. This is an abnormal year where guys have had to sit, not just for injuries, but for protocol and COVID and all the other things. So, If there was ever going to be an exception to this, David, I would say this is probably the year. Not because it's the Jazz and the Suns, but because it wouldn't matter. I mean, I I just think so many things have happened. Um, You know, matchups mean everything. And, uh, you know, I I know from, uh, you know, Los Angeles, if you're looking preseason, you know, you're looking at the Lakers. I mean, they won the league. You know, they come back. They have injuries. They underperform in games. You know, they don't have a great season. Uh, can they get healthy enough? I, you know what? I don't think the Lakers are going to have an issue playing the Suns. I mean, I think they, in their minds that they can beat the Suns in, in a seven-game playoff, even when they don't have home-court advantage. Uh, I, I think the edge – I think there's going to be a lot of people in the arena in, in Salt Lake City. I mean, I know that some of the places – I mean, who, I, I can't know. Somebody uh, – Oh my gosh! I can't. One of the TNBA teams hadn't even really had uh, fans in, in the arena yet, but I, I think the the Jazz are going to be somebody that you know it's the, the protocols and all that kind of thing have, have been a part of their program as well. But I I believe that they're going to have eight or ten thousand people. Having a home court advantage will be really important. But uh, yeah, I say I, I, I picked the field as well, just because there's just too many unknowns. Too many unknowns. Yes. Utah has proven that they have been the best team all year. And there's nothing to suggest that they can't continue playing that way, especially when, you know, they're going to have the home court advantage in every setting. So uh, you can't discount it, but I just think with all uh, the unknowns that have taken place here, uh, it's up for grabs. It's up for grabs. and, And somebody, I mean, who thought Miami was going to be in the finals last year in the bubble? Okay. And then all of a sudden they, they you know, they play their way into the finals and, and and make it scary for the Lakers. I mean, I don't know who that team's gonna be. Is it gonna be a New York Knicks team who all of a sudden just gets hot? They got so much confidence, they have no pressure whatsoever. Uh, you know, or or is it a is it a team like Portland who kills Denver the other night and all of a sudden Portland finally gets healthy and gets going, you know, and you got those shooters and Portland's not a team I want to play. I mean, it won't surprise me at all if Portland beats Denver in, in, uh, in the first round. And uh, But you never know. It, it, it's going to be crazy. But I, I still like Utah's chances just because they're the most complete team in the league. Uh, and uh, they share the ball. Uh, they got a litany of shooters. High IQ, well coached, good chemistry. I mean, th- this is the year for Utah. And but the, the the road is not going to be easy, and there'll be way more pressure on Utah. and This goal. Golden State's going to come into that game. if They get through the playing stuff, and I'm assuming they will. That uh, that's a tough test for Utah. I mean, it it, it it's not a it, certainly Utah's a better team, has more size, and you know has has more experience. Uh, I will say this: I believe when it's all said and done, that Jordan Clarkson. Um, will be the key to the Jazz winning the NBA championship. I mean, uh, all the starters, all those things, but this guy's had some incredible – and he continues to play like he's been playing. Um, it really puts the Jazz in a position to win an NBA championship. He, he's just been amazing. I, every time I've watched him, I mean, it, he's, uh, he does things that really, really help that team off the bench.
0: Steve, as always, we appreciate it. Thanks for coming on and talking a little basketball, and we will talk to you again next week. Yeah, talk to you guys. It'll be fun to watch the games. Yep, Steve Cleveland, our basketball insider. When we come back, pondering everything Steve said and our own spin on the playoffs, and we will get to that next. Stay with us.
2: Number one. Make us your number-
0: Thank you to all of you that continue to make the Zone Sports Network Utah's highest-rated, most listened to sports station. Your home for the best coverage of the teams you're passionate about is right here. 975-1280 the zone and the Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97-5 and 1280 the zone. The regular season is complete. The focus turns to the playoffs. And PK, before we get into any playoff predictions, of course we have to know who the Jazz are going to be playing in the first round. Got to wait for the playing tournament. But even more importantly, Donovan Mitchell. Is he going to be back for the playoff opener? Is he going to come back 100%? Will he be physically 100%? But will he be rusty and not in the groove and struggle for a game or two? Lots of questions, and until you answer those questions, you can't get to the most important question, which is how far are the Jazz going and can they win it all?
2: Well, uh, we don't need Mitchell to go all the way. I think that's evident. Okay, probably not. Uh, But you look at a Rusty Mitchell, it's conceivable. Now, we have Quinn Snyder after the Jazz finished up the regular season on Sunday. Uh, Someone asked him about uh, Mike Conley getting back. You know, that was his second game back, right? And why don't we hear from Quinn talking about that very thing? Yeah, I think it shows you how deep they run. You know, it's, it's like a, you know, a friendship, you know, where you, you have a close friend that you don't see him in a while. It, it doesn't take you long to pick up where you left off. I, mean, I think we all know those types of relationships. And, you know, I, I think that's the relationship that Mike has with this team and with the guys on this team. And that's the relationship that they have with him. So when that is the case, obviously there are certain things you try to figure out, but there's other things that just come natural. And I think that's what you saw. Okay, so I can buy that. You know, Conley, a thirty-three-year-old guy, been around, and he's veteran. He knows his role. He doesn't try to do anything more than what they want him to do. But you look at the Lakers, and everyone's pointing to them because they've had two big-time mega stars be out for a while, and LeBron came back, and actually didn't miss a beat. You know, he uh, played uh, his last game was uh, March twentieth. He got hurt. Then he comes back uh, Friday. Uh, April 30th, right? So that's uh, more than five weeks. Basically hits the ground running. And then he misses a couple more games, comes back. And then over the weekend, he scores 24-25. So he, and that was after missing another almost two weeks, right? So he didn't miss a beat. But then you look at Anthony Davis. And he plays in February, the middle of February, right? It's right before the All-Star break. And then he's out until the middle of April, towards the end of April. and you look at him, he goes uh, two of 10, five of 19 in his first two ball games. He, his three-point shooting was uh, one for 11 in first three games. So I got two examples there. Now, it doesn't matter that much because they have regular season games, particularly in the case of Davis when he's coming back in April. He's got plenty of time to get together. But these are playoff games, right? So obviously every one of them is huge. So I do have a little bit of concern about how Donovan Mitchell comes back and, be able, and is able to get where he needs to be. Now, I don't think, and I'll see what you think, that he can come back and immediately be the best offensive player. You think so? No.
0: Gut instinct says no. I think the most uh, normal expected path was that he's decent. In his first couple games back, I don't know, he scores his twenty, his twenty-four points, whatever. Maybe not the most efficient shooting, uh, but you start getting two, three, four games deep, and then he's liable to drop thirty-eight on you.
2: Sure, right? but Do they have three, four, five and games to excellent to wait, point, but to wait until he
0: develops? And, yeah, and I don't know that they do waste them. You know, they they there's a lot of different ways for this team to win. They don't have to have. 38 out of him to win obviously if they True. if they do great but you know, Conley goes for 20, Ingles goes for 20, and Clarkson's dropping 30. I think we're going to leave Matt Thomas out of this equation, but thanks for contributing <laughs> three that. Three-point shooter! He, he is the 11th or 12th guy down the bench. He is the three-point shooter. You're right. <laughs> you got me there. Uh, so there are other paths to win. I mean, I think before we even get to how's he going to come back game one, I would want to know what this week is like. And they're not going to tell us what this week is like. Maybe if it goes well at the end of the week, they will. Right? But... Do they have a couple of hard practices and is he and them ready to go? Has he been playing 2 on 2 and 3 on 3 and he's about ready, you know, to take that next step to 5 on 5 or is he not going to be able to even play 3 on 3 until Friday? I don't know the answer to those questions. You know, we can ask around to find out. You know, we'll see how this goes. It doesn't really matter how he's doing now if he tweaks again on Thursday or Friday. So, it could be bad now and better later. It could be good now and worse later. I mean, We can drive ourselves nuts thinking about this. I think the fact is they don't have to have him completely go off. It'd be great if they could just have him on the court because he's got the basketball word that gets beat into the ground that you would hate to hear and would drive you nuts and then you would scream and it would be great. It's gravity, right? Steph Curry's gravity. Steph Curry moves everybody on the court. We just heard uh, Steve Cleveland say Wiggins' numbers are better. Hey, his shooting percentages are up from three from the floor. His shots per game are down, but I'll bet the shots he gets are are better. And it's because Steph Curry. It's his gravity. Donovan Mitchell just being there, I think, will open stuff up for other guys. Well, you have gravity, too, but it's sinking. Hey-o. <laughs> I got a bad case of furniture. What's that? My chest is falling into my drawers. So we all got so, gravity. Right. So I think that I got a just, just getting him back, you know, it would be great if it's 100% Donovan and if it's all-star Donovan and he's just lighting people up, and I don't think that's the guy they're going to get back. I also don't have any proof that that isn't the guy they're getting back.
2: So LeBron so, comes back and he just takes it like he never left. Anthony Davis takes a few so games. One thing I think we have to say here is that – uh, Mitchell's
0: been a guy who has been healthier than the average NBA player. He missed three games his rookie year. He missed five games his second year. He missed, uh, I think, three games last year. And I think one of those, I think in the bubble, they sat him right at the end. I don't think he played the last game. So this is the, he's never been out for a month like this and had to come back. LeBron's done that before, right? Didn't, wasn't there a year that LeBron. I don't know if he went to Cancun or whatever he did, but he shut himself down in January or February. And he was with Cleveland and went to Miami. I need a break! Yeah. yeah, yeah he's like, <laughs> I need a, So if you're Mike Conley and you've come back from hamstring injuries before, when, when, when Conley came back last year, he needed a half dozen games. And like the seventh game, all the stats, you can go back and look at them, they all got way better. So it's not completely unusual. But once you've done it, maybe it gets easier. Here's another thing you can't compare Conley and Donovan. Conley came back and had to play against Oklahoma City and against a watered-down Sacramento Kings. Donovan's going to come back, and it's going to be a playoff game, and it's going to be a pretty good team. It could be the Spurs. I don't consider them a pretty good team. But if you get the Lakers, the Warriors, or the Grizzlies, at minimum, you're getting a pretty good team.
2: Mm -hmm. Okay.
0: And that's the Grizzlies. They don't have the playoff experience. The Warriors... <laughs> who've gone 15 and 5 in the last 20 games, the first round? Hey, congrats on having the best record in the NBA. That's a heck of a reward. So he's going to have to clear a higher bar than Mike had to clear in the last two games. And he does a lot of stuff. A lot's expected of him, you know, and there'll be a lot of adrenaline pumping. And, you know, the thing is, he could be 100% and he could have a bad game because there's just too much adrenaline. And I don't know. We, I think we can drive ourselves nuts psychoanalyzing this. I think the odds are. They won't get the best version of Donovan the first game back. And I just—I would just write common sense. No inside info. I'd just write common sense. He's been out long enough, they're not going to get the best version of All right, of is
2: him. that dangerous then? Of
0: course. Potentially. It's potentially dangerous. You want your best player to be very good well, in the sure. playoffs.
2: sure. I mean, just about anything is potential. But is it, right. is, it, is, it, is it going to be dangerous? Is it going to make the task way much more difficult to get past the Warriors, or do you still have a level of confidence you, that, okay, I can let Mitchell ease into us, but we'll be okay.
0: My level of confidence is I think the Jazz win this playoff series if it's the Warriors. So do I have a level of confidence? Yes. What do level? I think uh, Jazz in six? Uh,
2: decently long, so that's yeah. some tense times. Well, I, I think the
0: Warriors are good enough that they can do that. I, I don't buy into the regular season, the, the two out of three. Donovan didn't play in the third one. You know, Now, I also don't really buy the two early ones because they're a bit different team after Wiseman went out. And I haven't watched enough or talked to enough people around the Warriors, but on the surface, that suggests a guy who's got talent, who's a project, but right now, they're better off without him. And if you're a step slow on rotations, if you're still thinking and you're not reacting, that can hurt you. Certainly, it can hurt you defensively. I think it can hurt you offensively, too. You know, So I think there's something to him going out. And and it may be other guys and putting them in a better role. I'm not close enough to it to know. But I would draw a line between that and what Steve Cleveland has told us about the Lakers and what other people have said about the Lakers as well. Hey, they're better with AD at the five. They brought in all these guys, and there's a logic to it. And it's not that these guys can't contribute. But if the Lakers need their best lineup to close a game in the fourth quarter, put AD at the five. They're better.
2: So does the Mitchell situation, what level of nervousness does it cause you in a first round?
0: It causes me a little bit. Uh, give me what, what are my levels, what are my options here? But it does cause some nervousness. I most would've...
2: stressful time you've ever been in your life? No. <laughs> Mom had cancer. No. <laughs> or, uh, Sorry. let's see, just the thought of, wait, I signed on to do a morning show with him? No, I never really had nervousness over that. I'm way more nervous about Donovan than that.
0: I, had, I knew you just from talking to you before games, and you had subbed on shows, and you never know how it's going to go. I told you in the early days, the show is going to become whatever it is, and we can't know that now. It's got to evolve. It's got to happen. So I guess there was some level, because I didn't know that,
2: but there wasn't much. Apprehension, slightly? There, there wasn't much. So I, I just wonder, because my, my level of nervousness right now... It's not outrageous. But Mitchell scenario, I could to this scenario. Mitchell needs some time to get reacclimated. Uh-huh. Right. And game one or game two, heaven forbid both, the Jazz struggle. They don't shoot yeah. the ball well. Yeah. So they're down 0-2, 0-1, 1-1, to
0: be struggled. Down. I don't think they're going to be down 0-2 in this series. But if it happens, and it's not out of the realm, because right now I'm assuming Warriors, and I got a lot of respect for the Warriors, I got a ton of respect for Steph Curry. So I, I, Really, I, you do? I, so do you. <laughs> Here's the biggest scenario. You haven't gotten to the one. I've been waiting for this. This is the worst scenario for Mitchell. And I don't think it's the real one. But I don't know... And if it is, I'm worried. He's in the is protocol. The injury, <laughs> no, <laughs> that the injury is worse than they're letting on, and that when he tries to play it, he's going he to re-aggravate it. it. Or he, that, can't, he can't do it. Yeah, or he can't do it. That, to me, is the worst case scenario. And I have not heard that at all. And I think if it were that bad, I would have heard it. So I don't think that's uh, the case. I, I heard original that it was worse than than people thought. Sure, and I think that's why he's out five weeks. Right, originally but was, I heard but, but that was five weeks ago. right. Right, and so when you sprain an ankle, I assume you're gone for a week, and I know you might be gone for two because I've seen a gazillion sprained ankles in high school, college, and pro basketball over the course of my life and in pickup games. But after two weeks, I figure you're okay. Now, if you have some kind of setback, you know, the third week, man, when you get to the fifth week, but maybe they're just being really cautious because they just want them 100 the set for the playoffs. Sure, yeah, that's what we And they didn't really need them, and they wanted the one seed, But they didn't view the one seed as this just critical thing we've got to have. I don't want it. Been in first place all this time. You might as well get it for the team's psyche and the confidence. Mm -hmm. You don't want to go into the playoffs thinking, oh, we blew the one seed. Now you're not. And there's photos on social media. They're on the plane. They're happy. And I thought the post-game reaction was about Right. You know, there are pats on the back, a couple hugs there was, and some there smiles.: some Hugs. He yeah: Qui went it. down the row and hugged, but nobody was jumping. Nobody was jumping up and down. nobody was fist pumping and running across the court. It wasn't uh, everyone flying off the bench the way they did in Houston when the NBA Finals. So there was a celebration, but on a scale of one to 10, it, it looked like to me like a four.: I would go more than that. Six. I'm not going more than six. Uh, I was going to seven. seven. No. Nope. I, I thought they clearly acknowledged it. Absolutely. And it should be
2: acknowledged. Seems it's good. My, and it should be. I agree. Yeah. We spent virtually all day uh, talking about it. Yeah. And so we should be... We talked about it. It's totally worth acknowledging. Um, but
0: I didn't think they blew a lot of energy, you no. know?
2: There was no Steve Young victory
0: lap around candlestick. We took down the Cowboys. None of that. That would have been over the top.
2: I think for me, if Mitchell is not ready to go, don't go. I Even I, in the playoffs. I'd rather have him out than trying to put him in there when he's like 50% and he can't, he can't be as effective. Mm. Because I think they're good enough and they've played long enough now without him that it's not necessarily the end of the world. It's a blow. There's no question about it. Yeah. But... If he can't go, if he's gonna, if his presence in any way is going to harm the team, don't do it. And so, yeah, just you give more, more opportunities for yeah. Bogdanovich and and Clarkson. Hard to think that he's had more opportunities to shoot, but possible. <laughs> <laughs> the greenest of green lights. <laughs> yeah, I was thinking maybe you know more Niang, more Joe.
0: Yeah, well, certainly Niang's had a bigger role. Where all we've of this. seen and these he's guys handled it well.
2: So if they have any issue whatsoever. Don't force the issue because I think the team is capable enough of succeeding in the first round without him.
0: Well, if you know worst case scenario, if it is serious and they are worried about him long term, if you have to don't if you have to just sit him and not play him. Uh, when Tim Duncan came into the league, he doesn't get credit the way other guys do, like Bird, because he came into a team that was already pretty good and was already, you know, in the playoffs, winning playoff series. So his second year, they win the title. His third year, he has a knee problem, and he was going to tough it out in the playoffs, and people told him, don't do it. Other players told him, don't do it. And he sat out, and they lost the first-round series. But when they they said, your health and the rest of your career is more important, and then you see how the rest of his career turned out. Sacrificing that playoffs and the chance to go back-to-back was a great decision. Now, you go a little earlier, Grant Hill played on stuff and tried to tough it out. Um, I think, he was he with Detroit at that point? He bounced around a little bit, so now I forget. But I think he was with Detroit at that point. And so he had these chronic injuries that just hampered what, sh- what we all thought was going to be an excellent career. And he got a little taste of it in the end in Phoenix when he finally got healthy. It took forever. So if there's any concerns about Donovan, health, long-term, as much as it would suck to sit him. And it would suck. I look at Grant Hill and I look at Tim Duncan and I think make the tough call and sit him. Just do it. Just do it. If it's really that bad, you know, I don't think it is. I think we would have heard more, more recently. than you just heard right at the time of the injury. You know, I think he probably comes back. He's probably a little rusty. I don't think he comes out and does that thirty-five or forty-point game right away. But I think he's going to come out and be pretty good until until we hear otherwise. And you know, we'll, there'll be some opportunities later in the week, and I'm sure Donovan's help will come up, and we'll see what they say. And I think they'll know more after they put him through hard practices. You're playing too many games a week. There weren't, there's not a chance to put guys into hard practices during the regular season. There was no time. This, with this week off, they're going to have time. And so I think everybody will have a better idea at the end of the week. All right, DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Your feedback when we come back. Stay with us.
2: And it's all over almost here. Don't go nowhere. The best jazz theme song for the playoffs would be a
0: band called All Good Things, their song For the Glory. It's a definition of the jazz. It's written for the jazz. It's perfect.
2: Okay, I think
0: the theme song for the jazz has got to be Eye of the Tiger. Or maybe, yeah, Eye of the Tiger. Let's do a shout-out to Joe Ingalls. ACDC, it's a long way to the top if you want to rock and roll. Twisted Sister, we're not going to take it. <laughs> Twisted
2: Sister. Oh, big hair bands of the yeah, 80s, let's do yeah. it. I don't know how much Joe is into ACDC. I mean, he's a little younger to ask him i mean they obviously are australian they were i think they were born in england but they grew up over there down there so and they're just worldwide so you certainly have got to be some acknowledgement of them i don't know how long it was before i even knew they were australian
0: oh really pretty far down the road yeah for whatever Uh, reason same thing they're they're just acdc it's like you said they're just they're acdc they're like their own thing global brand yeah yeah I, I Men at, at the ex- work, they're Australian. That's they're a not. question
2: we got to ask Joe on um, Thursday. Yeah. It'd be a good week to ask him. Who's your favorite, like, Australian export in terms of music? Uh, for me personally, obviously, it's Olivia Newton John. I mean, there's something. Like yes, we're aware. <laughs> it's
0: because you want to get physical. I know. Yeah, great.
2: No, I was thinking, I honestly love you. <laughs> okay. No, actually, the grease stuff. All right,
0: uh, more feedback. Uh, considering uh, you know, is this how big a deal is this that so they won? And uh, Brandon says, considering this is the first time in franchise history the Jazz have done it, it's pretty impressive. I think it is. Only other time they were number one all the way through, they they had the same record as the Bulls, and then they they won it on a tiebreaker. So now it's outright, baby. Sure, got it. Only the third time they've been the one seed. That's Bring tough it to be. Bring it. All right, uh, and speaking of Bring It, P.K., what else have we got going on this week? Uh,
2: The PGA, man.
0: Yes. Second major. It is time for the U.N.A. Golf PGA Championship giveaway. Be Caller 12 right now and see what player you get for this year's PGA Championship. You know how it works. Caller 12 will be paired with a top 25 player in the world, and someone will will get the field 26 and on. Uh, If the player assigned you wins, you receive the same brand putter that player has in the bag. Qualifiers will be assigned today, tomorrow, and Wednesday. It's brought to you by UNA Golf, serving Utah golf since 1971. Yock's going to take Collar 12 right now. Who's it for, Yock? Why don't we get a good one off the board right off the top? Ray McElroy. Mm, he's hot. He's hot. He won, what, two weeks ago now? Yes. All right, caller 12 for Rory McElroy right now, 855 340 zone. 855 340 zone. We're all done. Hands and Scotty are next. We'll talk to you tomorrow.